So um, on August 12th, if you ladies want to mark it on your calendars, we did this once before. When is that we were, a Friday? Yes, August 12th is a Friday. Um, we did this once before when we were in, in one of our uh, older buildings, and we had a lady sleepover here at the church. It was lots of fun. You guys will never understand, but it's fun for us. So um, on the 12th, the ladies will We're going to do it, guys. Don't trip. We're going to sleep overnight. It'll be a onesie theme. <laughs> As long as Pastor Aaron dresses up as Sully (laughs) from Monsters, Inc., we're good. He's known to faint by seeing his own blood, so we're just giving him our time. (laughs) Anyway, um, so ladies, Friday, August 12th, we will have a sleepover. You'll come to prayer. You'll bring your stuff, right? Your, um, what are they? What you sleep on? Air mattresses. Your air mattresses, your jammies, your snacks. We'll have everybody will bring something. We'll have snacks and we'll eat all night. Don't and, come to prayer in your jammies. It's fellowship. weird. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, we'll stay after prayer. All the guys will go home and whatever kids you're sending home. The young girls are allowed to stay, but if you have any other kids that you don't want to stay, then you can send them <laughs> home with their dads. Um, and then we'll go home probably about I don't know, eleven o'clock probably or sooner. Uh, on Saturday. So mark it on your calendars and Lord willing, Clarissa will have it in. Yes. The announcements next week. Lord willing, Clarissa, where are you at? I can't see. Okay. There you are. Go to James chapter four. Um, If you were here last week, we started a season of preaching on rebellion and repentance. Um, The purpose of this is that while the message is being shared, And even while you're in fellowship throughout the week, right? While the message is being shared and in fellowship throughout the week, you would be constantly asking yourself, am I rebelling or am I repenting? It needs to be a mindset, a heart posture, not for the sake of defeat, but let's just be honest. When we're not self-examining, when we're not before the Lord saying, search my heart, we get comfortable. Amen? Some of us only have Sunday as the time of correction. You need it seven days a week. You need to be before God all the time saying, search my heart. So one of the ways that we're putting ourselves before the Lord is while the message is being taught, while the fellowship is going on, we want to be able to understand the difference between the flesh and the spirit in the sense that we're actually doing something about it, not just diagnosing it. Because I know sometimes we just diagnose, that's the flesh, that's the spirit but we don't necessarily say, Lord, I repent. Help me walk in the spirit. We don't necessarily say those things. And so hopefully this will help us to to do that. Um, This week, I'm gonna be talking about the invitation. And this is something as I was praying, all week long, God kept putting me before people that were being, ones that were being drawn to God and others that were being repelled. So there were some being compelled and some being repelled. There were some that came up to me And they had an idea of who I was, whether that be in the gym or somewhere else. And they started talking to me along the lines of what they were projecting. But then when they found out who I really was, which is a believer in Jesus Christ, and I never try to keep that hidden from anybody. I put that right out in the forefront in any way I can. I'll say things like glory to God just so I can let them know. And if they got a spirit, let that spirit know what we're involved with here. Amen. And so I, I, I always do that. I always put it before that. But then they start saying, oh, wait a minute, this man's a Christian. And he's not just a Sunday Christian. 
He's an everyday Christian because he keeps trying to talk to me about God. You want people to know that when they come in contact with you, that they are actually coming in contact with the Lord. Amen. You want people to know that. Yes. Amen? How good would it be, how, how weird would it be is if this was a church, but it said auto shop on the outside. And people come in with their cars like, hey, I need my brakes changed. No, you need Jesus. Right? It's better to be upfront. It's better to be open. It's better to be honest than to try and finesse people into the kingdom. Just be truthful and God will get them into the kingdom. Amen? Be a person of repentance and God will produce the results that come with repentance. If you're a person of rebellion, that means you're trying to be God instead of God. That means you're trying to make converts when it's only God that can convert. Say amen to that, because that's true. You cannot make a convert. God is the one who converts. Very important. I already can hear the, the religious wheels are turning. Wait a minute. The Bible says, go into all the world and make disciples. Preach to all of them. Make disciples. Well, let me give you, let me give you some clarity. You don't make a child of God, a child of God. You may be involved in the delivery process, but you are not in the womb. You might snip the cord, but who gave you the scissors? Who gave you the wisdom, the understanding? It's all God. Very important. We don't make disciples. God makes disciples. And who's doing the discipling? The Lord. Come on, church. If you were here on Friday night prayer, you got the word. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul told Peter, I mean, told Timothy, he said, if you will listen to me, if you will contemplate these things, if you will dwell on what I just told you, the Lord will give you understanding. The Lord will give you understanding. We just said it at the pre-word. In, in the book of Luke, Jesus literally says, don't worry about defending yourself when you're brought into trial when you're before the rulers and the authorities of this world, don't worry about defending yourself for the spirit will give you what to say at that time. I thank God that it would be the spirit and it wouldn't be Tony, right? It would be really weird if Mike was like, yeah, and then Tony told me like, don't do it. And I wasn't there, right? It's the Holy Spirit that speaks to you, not Tony. So then there's no difference than in me preaching and really what's happening at this very moment, the invitation is happening at this very moment. God is present at this very moment. Every single person that's in this room online that is here is before God, not before men. We're all exposed before God. Amen. So there's an invitation. It's always present. God is saying, come, draw close to me. Are you rebelling? Are you repenting? You want to know, I'm just giving you some secret sauce, Right? I like secret sauce, by the way, just saying. I don't know what they put in In-N-Out secret sauce, but I like it. Animal style, Thousand Island and pickles. That's, I know something like that. But I like, I like the secret sauce. Why? Because it gives me a, a different outlook on what I'm eating, what I'm partaking in. Some of us are so shallow. Man, the Lord is really doing it already. Some of us are so, so, so shallow, we don't know the secret sauce. We don't know the mystery. We, we, we think of this, this whole act of God as if it's somehow we're hiding. Whether you're rebelling or whether you're repenting, you're before the Lord. There is no escaping God. 
There is no escaping God. You are before God right now. Your heart, your mind, your soul, your, your intentions. And even some of us would be like, and so is yours. You're before God too. And that's before God. That heart posture is before God. In James chapter 4, starting in verse 6, watch this. Father, I pray that as I preach, I would not preach as a man, but your Holy Spirit would speak through me. I also pray for my brothers and sisters that their ears would not be earthly, but you would give them ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Watch this. The invitation. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud. Real quick, that's all the time. It's a constant opposition. It's not, oh, you're proud right now, now let me oppose you. It's not a first and second. It's continual. And all people who are proud are being opposed by God. God opposes you when you're proud. It's a, it's a systematic thing. It's, it's a process. Amen. It's not like, all right, I'm just going to sit here and wait for you to be proud because here's the truth. You're either proud or humble. There's no middle ground. There's no in-between. You're either proud or you're humble. And he opposes your pride. And what does he do? He gives grace to the, to the humble. When we are humble before God, meaning I'm, I'm surrendered and I'm teachable, it's both grace coming and going. It, it means that because in light of his grace, I'm humbled. And, and through that, I receive more grace. Do you see the beauty of that? Who was I talking to yesterday? Uh, we were at Wild Waters, uh, I think Stacy. And she was saying, you know, I, I, I had, we had a moment where I sat down. I said, what's the Lord stirring? I could tell God was stirring. And she said, you know, I was just in the wave pool. Right now, everybody was there mentally. They're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was in the wave pool. And there was water all around me, but I was thirsty. So I was surrounded by water. It would be really weird if you started drinking it. But hey, if you're dying, <laughs> I know, it's disgusting. But, there, but, but there's water all around me, but because it's not in me, I'm dehydrated. I could be washed all around me, but the hydration comes when it's when I'm filled with it, when it's in me. That's what's happening right now. The water, the living water of God, the Holy Spirit of God is washing over everybody, but only some are being filled. I pray it's everybody. I pray we're humble. See, it was water all around and water within. It's the grace that, goes, that I see surrounding me and the grace that's flowing through me. It's God. You get that, church? It's God, living water, inward and outward. Amen. A little secret, you can have the appearance of it and be dead on the inside, but you can never be living on the inside and be dead on the outside. It could be all around you and not in you, but it can't be in you and not all around you. It has to be all around you if it's in you. Amen. Verse seven, so humble yourselves before God. Why? Because we get to, because we've been empowered to do it. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's a promise. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Repentance. 
and I want to be real clear, not feeling sorry for yourself because there's people who cry for themselves but never change. But he is saying, may you change and cry over it. But I don't want to give it up, Lord, but I will, Lord, but I don't want to, but I will, Lord, but I don't want to, but I will, Lord, in tears. Let there be much sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. I feel in my heart that when we're talking about an invite, we're living in a time where the same thing's happening. There's churches, services happening all over the city, all over the world. And the, the preachers are just not talking about what will cause salvation to come. They're talking about what will cause someone to fake a salvation. They're talking about God wanting to better, better your life and improve your life. You know, this is something we've been talking about. But they don't speak on sin and conviction and change and surrendering your life and the things that you actually need that come with salvation. They just speak about how God wants to give you that, that promise that he promised you a long time ago, which obviously wasn't from God. It was from some other false prophet. And he comes and says, oh, God has a mate for you. God has a plan for you. God has a job for you. And because you want the mate, the plan, and the job, you believed it was God. So you chased the mate, the plan, and the job, but it was never God. Because everybody who has the mate, the plan, and the job right now, everyone who has it, God is asking you to lay it down. Amen. Amen. So everyone who has the mate, the plan, and the job knows right now that God is asking you for it. Give me your job. Give me your spouse. Give me your plans. By the way, I gave all of them to you. Okay, now this is about to get real deep right now, the invitation. It's not this, this concept that God's a gentleman. No, God's a God. That means, that means he's loving and he's judging. That means he's all of it. So he's not just this catered God to you. Just listen, the invitation isn't just, I'm gonna put before you the option to be saved and I'm walking away and I'm gonna leave it all to you as a fallen individual to know how to be saved. No, instead he says, can you not see that I'm gonna go like this, Erwin, you want what I have for you? I'm right here. I'm God. I'm right here. You want what I have for you? You want it? Because listen, you need to give me your life. Come on. Oh yeah, you thought I was giving you something right now. Do you want what I have for you? This is God's hand. Do you want what I have for you? But he's asking for something. He's not just coming with salvation and saying, let me give you salvation. He's saying, do you want what I have for you, Mike? Well, then you better place your life in my hand. No, no. See, and then here's the reality. Watch this. Then you realize you can't. Because, because when, when you try, guess what, it, what happens? Light exposes everything about you. And if you're truly being saved, every single person who is saved, you collapse in the light of God. You don't feel worthy to be in his hand. That's the truth. Now, he knows this, but this is what God does. You want everything I have for you? You need to give me your life. And here's what he says. This is, and it's all done in a moment. Because if you don't give me it, I'm going to take it. And it's a realization that God can destroy both body and soul in hell. So it's never absent from the realization that there's a healthy fear that comes with the living God. Amen. You see, that invitation is a whole lot different than, hey, God just wants to bless your life, guys. 
wants to make your body last a hundred years. He wants you to live as long as you can. That is a false doctrine. That is not true. God wants you to live forever, not as long as you can. God wants you to have eternal life that if you were to accept him today and die, you would be living. This is the Lord we serve. And so I just know right now, when we're talking about rebellion and repentance, and, and we just read it in the scriptures, very, very clear, he opposes the... So where's your free will in that opposition? I'm sorry, you're opposed if you're proud. You ever meet a person who really, really liked doing something, but it was bad for them? Could have been a food, could have been a relationship, could have been money, career. Really, really loved what they did, but it was bad for them. And you told them, that's bad for you. And they go, I know it's bad for me. And they keep doing it. Now you tell me right now, church, that any of us in here are better than that. I, listen, if, if less than half the room agrees with me and more than half the room doesn't, I'll change my doctrine. Because the reality of it is every single one of us cannot change that reality. That is how it is. Every single one of us knows that's us. We do what we don't want to do and we don't do what we want to do. And, and that's how we are without God. So who can help mankind? Go to John 6. Watch this. We're going to have to get into a few scriptures here. But who can help mankind that is so hell-bent on self-destruction? Who can help mankind that's so hell-bent on self-destruction but truly believes they can free themselves? <laughs> hey, you want to know how right now Romans is going to speak to you? I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. Right now, you want to know how? Because I tell you, you're hell-bent on self-destruction and you can't help yourself and you don't want to do you don't want to do what you should do, which is admit it. Did I confuse anybody so far? It's a tongue twister. I get it. But you don't want to do what you should do, which is admit it, that I cannot do this without God. So instead, because you're rebellious, you go, no, nope, I can get there. I can do it. But God just got done telling you through the Apostle Paul, you do what you don't want to, and you don't do what you want to, and you are bound up. So there's only one that can loosen your chain. But you are so bound up that you'll be like, nope, I can get myself unbound. And in doing that, you're not doing what you should do, which is admit that you're bound and only God can set you free. And you're doing what you shouldn't do, which is saying you could do it yourself. God, this is wisdom coming from here. This is wisdom. The freedom of God. Look at the invitation. It's, it's a constant invitation to surrender. Just surrender. Look at John 6, 44. Last week, a sister visited and, and I, I got a chance to talk to her at the gym afterwards and she was saying, you know what, I'm gonna be honest with you. It was so much that I, that I forgot like everything. But when I was there, I wasn't taking notes and, and I was saying amen to everything. But then when it was all done, I, was, I didn't remember anything. Read the Bible for an hour straight and see how much you actually retain. This is not a matter of trying to flex knowledge. I'm pouring everything out. You got a pocket that goes so deep. Everybody's got different sized pockets in their hearts and the water is going to fill everybody. You just take what God has for you. 
Amen. I got to feel like I'm preaching to everyone. So what that means is I got to preach tall and wide. And then you take the thing that God has for you. Amen. John 6, 44, watch this. Mm-hmm. Man, everybody thinks they can do it better, right? No one can do it better than God. Amen. It's a hard posture. Watch this. Do you believe in the Lord? Yes. Do you believe he's the way? Yes. Truth and life. Yes. Do you believe he can lie? <laughs> do you believe that the Lord can lie? The scriptures say God is, he's not like man that he should lie. He's not a liar. Okay. So when we read this, God is the same yesterday, (laughs) today, and forever. God is the same yesterday, today. Man, that should bring you some hope right there. That, That should make you feel strengthened. He's the same today and watch this. So when he says this, it's apl- applicable to yesterday. Say forever. forever. Woo! Glory to God. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. We serve a God forever. He is forever. Watch what he says in John 6, 44. No one for no one. Say no one. No one, no one church. No one. No one. You're someone. This is saying no one. No one. Past, present, future. Past. But let me just break it down. It's super, this is super easy, right? Before Jesus, we were weaker than after Jesus. Before Jesus, we were hopeless. After Jesus, we have hope. Before Jesus, we could do no good. After Jesus, we can do good. But it's not us that's good because no one can, listen guys, no one can come to me unless they work really hard for 40 years and pay their tithes and go to church every single Sunday. And never tell a lie. And become a pastor and help other people. They got to do a bunch of stuff, guys, to come to me. Now, remember, before Jesus, it was impossible to come to God. You couldn't come to God. Because Jesus is the only way. So that means if anybody came to God before Jesus, it's because they went through Jesus. And you may not have even recognized him. No one comes to me, glory to God, unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. No one comes to Jesus because someone preached an awesome illustrated sermon. No one comes to Jesus because they spent five hours in worship. Nobody can come to Jesus because they pray their way there. No one comes to Jesus unless the Father draws them. What does that look like? 
What does that look like? Do you remember when you were drawn? And were you drawn just one time? Oh, we're so, we're so, we are control freaks. That's it, one time, forever, that's it. No, he does it multiple times, doesn't he? He's, oh, I haven't left you. Uh -uh. I haven't left you. Yeah, remember that time? You forgot I see everything. Now I'm showing you again I see everything. God just works on you and works on you and works on you. What did we read in Psalm? His heavy hand of discipline. It's just upon me. You better stop rebuking Satan when it's God that's doing it. It's God's heavy hand. Won't let you go. Won't let you be destroyed. His love is violent. It's just rescuing you all the time. Inviting you back. Inviting you back. I know he was going to disappoint you, honey, but I won't. Come back. I know you thought that was going to fulfill you. Come back. My heavy hand. But I'm going I'm to have to suffer things. Yes, but I'm with you in the suffering. Come back. The invitation is always there, and it's not something that man gives. That's why we never do altar calls. The inv- Listen, you know how many times people have come to Jesus in the middle of the service? Thank God we're not waiting for an altar call. Amen. Thank God that God is drawing the whole time. Because what happens if now we're leaning on an altar call, but we're 30 minutes into the service and everyone drops dead? Well, you're out of luck. We didn't have an altar call. It's the same thing for people who believe that you have to be physically baptized by water to be saved. What a foolish idea. What a foolish idea. And a religious idea that does nothing but fail people. Because there will be people who are not baptized by water that are in heaven. Just take the thief on the cross. He's going to be looking at you like, man, I told you you didn't have to be baptized by water, bro. I got the whole thing. The invitation, drawn by God. I want to just point to a couple of scriptures. Go to Matthew 23, and this is uh, Matthew 23, 15. And this is a set of scriptures that Jesus now, when Jesus is talking to us, guys, if he's talking to the leaders of that time or the people of that time, he's talking to everyone. Do you agree with that? Yeah. His conversation with the woman at the well was for everyone. His conversation for Nicodemus in the private was for everyone because it was made for everyone. He was made for everyone. Every conversation Jesus has with anyone is a conversation for everyone because the principles are the same. They don't change. And here he's having this conversation with the religious leaders. Matthew 23, 15. Watch this. You know what, let's let's just go up a little bit to 13. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? He's talking to anyone who prides themselves in knowledge, but they do not depend on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to speak to the person who you're leaning on this empowerment of the Spirit, but you're rejecting the knowledge. They both go hand in hand. You cannot... Just be full of feelings and emotions and think that that does it. Otherwise, what good is preaching? What good is studying? What good is even reading the Bible if it wasn't for knowledge's sake? But here's the truth. If you're truly filled with the Spirit, you'll desire the knowledge. Remember earlier I said, if you got the water on the inside, it has to flow on the outside? 
But if you have water on the outside, doesn't necessarily mean you got it on the inside. It's the same thing here. If you have knowledge and no spirit, it's a dehydrated person with water all around them. But if you have the spirit of God, then the spirit will desire the knowledge of God. Amen. It'll have to flow all over the place. He says, he's speaking to them. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Now, you'll be looking at this and you'll say, man, Jesus is just being hard on. No, he's giving them an invitation. What if we're so backwards in this world, okay? Kingdom of God is upside down. It's not like us. When we give an invitation to something, we try to present the best possible outcomes, right? Yeah. We go like this. We say, okay, I'm inviting you to this event. There's going to be tri-tip. There's going to be music. There's going to be people. We're going to have a great time. And I, I present this invitation to you, but I don't tell you you're going to get a flat tire on the way. You're going to stain your shirt along the way. You're going to have problems along the way. You're going to fight with your spouse on the way. You're going to show up and put on a fake smile because you don't want to. Come on, church. I'm not going to tell you what's really going to happen along the way, but I'll give you the good stuff. God doesn't do that. He doesn't go, hey, I got this place I'm preparing for you with all these mansions, and then that's it. Just, you'll get there one day. He goes, no, guess what you're going to have to endure before you get there? I got a celebration, a feast ready, but you're going to suffer. And, and what he's doing right here is he's talking to them, and he's inviting them to come out from this rebuke. He's inviting them to come away from their religion. And he says, what sorrow awaits you? What better invitation than that? You're about to die. Do you want to live? Well, in order to live, you have to see you're about to die. And the path that you're on is leading to destruction. Now come. See the, see the invitation. Watch. Hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. It, don't worry too much about the, the understanding. This is very simple. He's just saying, you're making it all works, no grace. You're telling people they got to work their way. And you yourself won't receive the grace because you just keep working your way. And so you're not letting, you're, you can't open the doors to the kingdom because you're full of works. You're self-righteous, right? Amen. That's it. Now watch what he says. This is Jesus talking. What sorrow awaits you, uh, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. Now don't you love this Jesus that you worship? He said, you cross land and sea. It takes months sometimes to do that takes a long time. He's, he's, he's not exaggerating too. He's saying, you go all over the place, preaching your message, doing your thing, and you're hoping to convert one person and you make that person twice the child of hell as you are. Watch what he says after this. Blind guides. What sorrow awaits you for you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. He's saying, all you care about is the outside. Watch this. Give us understanding, Lord. Verse 17. These are Jesus's words. Blind fools. So he's talking to everybody. We're all blind fools until he opens our eyes. 
blind fools. Which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And you say that to swear by the altar is not binding, by, but to swear by the gifts on the altar is binding. How blind? For which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? When you swear by the altar, you are swearing by it and by everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and by God by, by, uh, who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. <coughs> you make them twice the child of hell. You make them tithe even the smallest and you cause them to forget about mercy and justice and faith. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. I love the law, but I'm rebelling against it all the time. My flesh doesn't want to obey God. I worship the things on the altar and not the Lord, who is, who is the altar call. Amen? I want what it looks like to be a Christian but I don't want all the cost of being a Christian. The invitation of God, do you see it? That it's not just come to Jesus because you're a sinner and you need to be saved. It's after you've come to Jesus, come to Jesus because you're a sinner and need to be saved. It's, it's a constant invitation to Jesus with everything in your life. This is why it become, you become obsessed, but not in a bad way, but you could literally drive down the street, know you should not run the red light, run the red light, and God's all over you. You're like, dang, I shouldn't have, because it's the principle of rebellion. What are you in a hurry for? It's the little yeast and the little leaven that ruins the whole batch. What are you in a hurry for? Why can't you just slow down at a red light? Maybe it's because your heart's not slowed down before the Lord. Why is it, remember at the pre-word, why is it that you're so quick to defend yourself? Maybe because you're not standing in the defense of the Lord. You're not in confidence with God. Maybe you are not seeing the invitation anymore. Don't you guys love invitations? Be honest. When it's to something you like, I'm just saying. Yeah, of course. When it's something you like. But don't you love invitations? Don't you love it when you, like when, when you got Nate and Mar's invitation for the wedding, those of you that went, weren't you excited when you saw it? You were like, you got to be a part of something, right? When somebody truly invites you to come to Jesus and sit down, that invitation's holy. It's the most holy invitation is to come to Jesus. But, but we lose sight of how good God is. We lose sight of how good God is and therefore we no longer see him inviting us in. God is the only one that invites you into the same place and it, and it actually does more for you than the more you go into it. You actually get more out of going into the same place with God than you do, it, like you guys know what I'm talking about. How many of you guys like Doghouse Grill? All right. You guys like the, the Cobb salad, the steak Cobb salad? Yeah, see, you already see. Meryl's like, mm, that's what I'm talking about. But, but you know, I, when I was on keto, I loved that salad and I ate it every single day until I didn't like it anymore. It made me sick. Literally made my body sick to where the smell of the, of the tri-tip made me sick. 
God is the only one that you could come and partake of the same thing and get more out of it every single time. The invitation to sit down with him is there all the time. And he doesn't disappoint. So if you're struggling with spending time with the Lord by yourself, it isn't God that's the problem. I know people are like, you should. I've, I've gotten letters from people who literally say, when you talk like that, you're putting weight on the sheep. You're, you're breaking people who are already broken. I'm like, no. Mm-mm. Sheep need their leg broken. They need to stop wandering away. I'm just glad people are saying amen to that. I was just like, we got a real church here. That's right. We got amens for that. That's what's up. Go to John chapter 5. Are you getting something out of this today? John chapter 5, verse 39. One of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible, because when Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws, that means that Satan wants the drawing to look counterfeit. That means that Satan knows how holy that is, that someone is drawn on the inside and they say, I need God, and they come to God. He knows how holy that is that he wants to now make that where you're, you're, uh, you're desensitized to it, that you think the drawing of God is something else. You think the drawing of God is like, um, like an addiction. You look at the drawing of God as a way to... Uh, to, to fulfill an addiction rather than conviction. You, you, you know, it's different to go and eat food when you're hungry than when you're eating food because you want to taste something. I'm serious. I was talking to my mother-in-law before, before service. I said, as we were talking, I was like, I have to preach this coming uh, men's breakfast and I'm preaching on exposure and the importance of if you want to be a man of God, you must be a man exposed. That's what it really means to be a man of God is that you're exposed before God. And I said, you know what it's like? It's when your palate has been cleaned. When, when, you, when you're no longer uh, addicted to the, the sugar and, the, and the, all the preservatives and everything on your palate, your palate just doesn't want soda because it's been cleansed. Now, bread and water actually satisfy you. Bread and water actually tastes good when you're hungry and thirsty. Yes, amen. We must be hungry. Lord, help us be hungry. Help us to know the difference between fulfilling a craving and receiving godly nutrients. In John 5, 39, Jesus again speaks to the teachers and he says, you search the scripture, John 5, 39, because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. So what he just did, he said, he said you search the scriptures thinking they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. So he's saying the searching is actually not bad. It's just what you're finding is wrong. When you search the scriptures, do you find yourself or do you find Jesus? You know, when you hit in that bag, Mike, that was one of those <clears throat> to the liver. Do you, do you search the scripture and find Christ or are you finding yourself? He says, you search the scripture thinking they give you eternal life. So guess what? All your searching's not gonna do it. 
Because the scriptures point to me, yet you won't come to me so I can give you this life. It's a drawing. I'm going to pause real quick. Go to Matthew 16. I'm going to pause right here real quick. It's a drawing. Do you agree that you have to be drawn by God? So when Jesus said, no one can come to me unless they're drawn, the invitation doesn't work unless there's an internal drawing inside of you. So there's a drawing happening, a true drawing to come to Jesus, which causes you to give up your life. The counterfeit drawing, which is Satan, wants, causes you to live up your life in the name of the Lord. That's the counterfeit. The truth, give up your life. It's a big difference. What I, want, I just want to pause here for a second because it's the drawing. Who can, make, who can make that happen? He says, Jesus tells him, you search the scripture, so it appears that you want truth, but what you're finding in scripture is more jewels for you to wear so people can look at you. Mr. Pharisee, Mr. Hypocrite, you're wanting to be seen. But if you are drawn by my father, and he ends up telling these same people later, your father's the devil. But if you're being drawn by my father, then you're going to see me in those scriptures. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Only the drawing of God can cause the heart to be pure in wanting to find Jesus in the scriptures. Yes. Right, Caesar? Only the drawing of God, the true invitation, would cause you to want to see Christ in the scriptures. And that when you see Christ in the scriptures, you're like, he is so amazing. He is so wonderful. He is so loving. He is so true. He never breaks a promise. Look at, look at what he's doing. That's my Lord. You're just bragging on Jesus. Come on, church. Who brags on Jesus anymore? I could tell you nobody does without him. Because the type of bragging we do is not the, the bragging that brings honor. It's a bragging that brings pride. Jesus is coming to us right now, even as I'm being moved on by the Holy Spirit. He's saying, take your time right here. Show them that it's my drawing. Tell them again, I must draw them. So what should it produce in our hearts? Draw me, Lord draw me. It should not be like, I don't get it, man. This guy right here, man, I don't get it. You're already lost. And all your I don't get it, you're going to keep I don't getting it. Whatever that means. But if you're literally trying to understand this instead of receiving it, you're missing it. He's saying the same thing to all of us. Blind guides. I don't want to be a blind guide. I would much rather people follow me as I'm pursuing Christ than following my words of pursuing Christ. Matthew 16. I'm just going to let that one sit there because if you didn't write it down, if you didn't catch it, God, God help us, right? Matthew 16, 17. Jesus re replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. Go back up to 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do you say the son of man is? Now, Jesus in this other text was talking to the Pharisees. Guys, don't let me lose you right now. Stay in the spirit with me right now. 
He's talking to the Pharisees and he's telling them, you search, but you're not finding. Because all these point to me, but you won't come to me. Listen, he wasn't saying it like, so come to me. The invitation's there, but he's, ba- he's making a statement. He's saying, you can't come to me because my father is not drawing you. That is a cold reality. So if you have been drawn, you should be singing and dancing and praising and glory to God because he didn't leave you in the dark. Tell me that Jesus couldn't have opened their eyes and, and that the father couldn't have drawn them right there. But in all of his proclamation to them, God was not drawing them. And here's another account. He goes, Peter, who do you say that I am? People are saying that he's Elijah, he's this. But Peter, Peter, right? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. Let's be honest. Do you see Jesus as the Christ? Or are you still scratching your head? Do you hear these words and your heart is compelled? You're literally, there's a a resounding amen inside of you. Or is there like a, uh, it's the truth. It's the truth. You're either compelled or you're not. And if you're not compelled, Lord, have mercy. Because it, I can't preach with more passion to make you compelled. Like, like I can't give it in any other, I can't restructure the sentence. It's, there's no, it's either you're drawn or you're not. Now, I want to bring some comfort before we go into these last set of scriptures. I want to bring just a little bit of comfort for those of you that are like stone cold Steve Austin, right? You're waiting for that glass to shatter. Don't know, don't know. No, I'm sorry. All my wrestling addicts out there. <laughs> for the first time, Leo's like, no, Tony, that's, I'm a wrestling fan, but this was not appropriate. No stone cold in church, brother. Just put it away. But for those of you that are hardened, right, and you love God, so what I'm saying is that you've had genuine moments with God. God has impacted you, has met you, has freed you, has saved you. You've had real moments with God, but you're in a cold place. You find yourself in a place where you're like, Brother Tony, I know what it felt like. I'm just not there right now. I know, but I, I, I remember a time when I actually was on fire like you. I wish I had the fire like you. You know, people say that kind of stuff, right? No, you do have the fire. You do have it. But you're wanting that fire to feel a certain way. You're wanting that fire to be with what you're looking at. Why? Because you still care about how you're seen. Oh, man, whoo, you still care too much about how people see you. When you look in scripture, when you find Christ, you find Christ with the broken, man. You find them right there with the broken, and they're not pretty, and they're not good to look at. They're, they're prostitutes and tax collectors. They're broken people, and you find Jesus right there with them. You see that? Not when Peter's feeling good. It's when Peter was broken. And you're in a hard place because God's getting ready to break you. 
you don't feel them right now because when you really, when he comes, you feel them, you're going to feel them. Everyone who's ever felt distant from God and then finally came back into a place of refreshment, tell me it wasn't good. But during that time when you felt distant, ooh, boy, you were like, am I even saved? I'm just wondering why it has to happen 20 times. <laughs> the drawing of God, the invitation of God, the love of God. For those of you that are discouraged right now, you're like, Brother Tony, you seem like you have all kinds of passion and fire, and I want that too. Don't get hypnotized by the outward appearance. Because if you really want what I'm having right now, you're going to have to come into my lowest times with me too. If you really want passion and zeal that's going to actually burn till you die, then you have to suffer through some things that's the coal to your life, the fuel to your life in order to make it worth being passionate about. I'm sorry, but your trials can't fuel me enough. I need my own. Go to 2 Timothy 2. Or did I go to Matthew 16? We already did that one? Did we already read that one? Go to, go to 2 Timothy 2. We're almost done. I need my own trials. Amen? Amen? I need my own invitation from God. Amen? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. I, I kind of quoted this earlier, but listen to what it says. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Think about what I'm saying, church. I've, I've been preaching now for 50 minutes. Think about all that I'm saying. Now, now that you're thinking about it, take heart. The Lord will help you understand. I don't expect it to look like anything. You, some of the most profound things that I've experienced come out of the most odd places. I remember when Isaac and Regina were engaged. And Isaac was still contemplating not getting married. He was. But he didn't know I knew that because at one point I didn't and then God gave me the revelation, but he didn't know that God gave me revelation. So I'm sitting right here. Isaac walks by me. I said, bro, come here real quick. I go, when are you going to marry her? Now, I know some of us, right? I already know the flesh right now. is like, ain't nobody checking up on me like that. <laughs> and I'm a grown man. I'm a grown man. I said, when are you going to marry her? He said, oh, man, it's funny you ask, man. Uh, I, said, I said, hold on, bro. I go, why don't you just take the next three days and really seek God? And I'm telling you, God is going to show you what you should do. Just, just be sincere in seeking him. A couple days goes by, he's seeking God. I told him, don't tell Regina that you're seeking God for this because you don't want no problems, you know what I'm saying? I didn't tell him that part, but that's what I was telling him. You don't want no problems, problems. Okay, so a couple days later, Isaac's in the living room and his son comes by. And what did he say? He's playing his tablet. He's playing his tablet and he goes, and he, out of nowhere, he goes, hey, hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hold up. Hey, Dad. You and Mom going to get married? Two days before, I'm sitting here going, hey, when are you going to marry her? Who do you think was talking? Who, who was talking to Isaac? Even knowing that, I asked him back. You're too passionate right now, brother. You want to get a mic? No, I asked him the question. I asked him the question, and I go, should I? And what did he say? Yeah, that's what God told you to do. 
He said, Isaac, dad, says, should I? Come on, Isaac. How old is your son at that time? Six years old, getting counsel from a six-year-old. Should I? And it was the Lord. And it was the Lord you were seeking counsel from. And he said, God told you to. Because it was God drawing. The invitation was there, but it was God drawing. I, what I just gave you right now, the invitation is always there, but it's the drawing that causes people to value the invitation. The invitation is always there, but without the drawing of the father, the invitation is just paper. It's just another marriage. It has no significance at all. But because it was God drawing, it has every bit of significance. I, I, I feel like what God is doing in this church, and I said this to a few people already, I said, we're in the middle of revival and people don't even know it. People don't even know it. We're in the middle of revival and it's constant. It's constant. And you want to know why it's constantly there? Because we don't hide. That's why. Because people are actually living their lives exposed before other people. And when you take away the pain, you lose the purpose. If all we were were a purpose-driven church, we'd have no motivation, guys. It would all be based on our own interpretation of what it is. But when you're a real person with real problems and real pain and real doubt and real trial and real circumstances, and you're living that out in front of real people with real problems who have real trials and real circumstances, and they all serve a real God who's really delivering them, it keeps revival burning. I told you earlier, I need my own trials so I could be fueled. Well, we need our own trials so it can be real. Amen. But when people run away from fellowship and run away and, and they want to hide in their sin, they'll never understand revival. They won't. They'll only understand reciting because people recite these tent revivals. and so They'll just understand what it's like to go and just relive it and recite it and then never be free because you're hiding. What did the psalmist say? I no longer hide. I'm not trying to hide from you anymore. I'm guilty. What would happen if the church lives in a posture like that always? <laughs> now you're on point, brother. Earlier it was a little. First Corinthians, last, last verse here. First Corinthians 3. Repentance, rebellion, rebellion, repentance. What's happening in your heart right now? Do you see the invitation of God? Do you see that it's not just a matter of coming to Jesus once, but it's every single day all the time coming to Jesus? First Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 6. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important. Say not important. Man, I wish we, that's the type of stuff you need to put on t-shirts. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Amen. What's important is that the Father draws. Yes. Amen. Ooh, why? Because no one can do it. No one does the growing. God does the growing. So if there was anybody who had a right to boast, 
Would it be Paul? No. No, I mean like, I mean like as far as them doing good things. I'm just, I'm using it as a, a teaching moment. You're right. No, Paul should not boast. But I'm saying if anyone had a right to, meaning they accomplished all these things for God, traveled 33,000 miles and gave their life for the gospel, shipwrecked multiple times, had their back cracked open multiple times. I mean, went through a lot for the gospel, planting and watering, planting and watering. If anybody had a right to say, man, I planted that seed. <laughs> I watered that seed, man, in my own tears. Every time you cried, I cried. I watered that seed. It's important. God cares about me. I'm important. I'm important. God couldn't have done this without me. I, he needed me to preach. He needed me to plant. He needed me to water. Do you see what we do? If there was anybody that had a right to say any of that, it was Paul. Yet Paul says, I planted. I don't know. I just feel like that's like the dude that walks in and he got all the medals. Seriously. Walks in with all the medals, like takes all the medals ever and just drops them. Like they mean nothing. That's what that's like to me. I traveled. Matter of fact, your own faith, all of you right here, it's because I labored. I planted. He watered. God made it grow. So we are not important. I wish I could say that to every pastor and preacher and rap artist and everybody else who's out there thinking they're doing something for the kingdom. It is God that makes the seed grow. It, it, we should desire that it, within this invitation, we should see something, that it's all about God. It, it's like the fine print, right? You, you, you're going to get heaven and you're going to get streets of gold and you're going to get a mansion and you're going to get eternal life. You're going to get everything. And right here in the fine print, and God's going to get the glory for all of it. But everyone doesn't read the fine print. They just like the big pictures. God gets the glory for all of it. In the invitation, every single day, when you come to Jesus, and we're closing, I'm coming to Jesus and God gets the glory. I'm coming to Jesus and God gets the glory. It's not about us. Are you guys hearing that? Isn't it a remarkable thing that God has decided for there to be an invitation to humanity so he can be seen in humanity? over and over again. Repentance, rebellion. You can walk away today and either you're feeling the draw of God, you're feeling the power of God, you're feeling the anointing of God and you are repenting right now. You're like, every area of my life, Lord, that I'm taking credit, forgive me. Forgive me for being too proud as a father, too proud as a husband, too proud in this. Too... Help me, Lord, because everything that I touch, I want credit for. Help me. And in that declaration, there's an invitation to you to come to Jesus so that Christ might be lifted up so that the Father might be seen. And that's the entire work of God for everybody. It's the entire work of God for everybody. Amen. This is a workout up here, man. I don't know if it's because it's hot. I'm shouting too much. I just, I just love you guys. I just love my church. I love the church body. I love the church at large. I really pray that as we walk through these teachings that you would not see me, you would not see Michelle, you wouldn't see each other, that you would really see the Lord. And for those of you who are caught in religion and 
knowledge, you know, may the Lord have mercy on you. May he just show you, may he open your eyes at his appointed time. But if God is not drawing them, church, if God is not drawing your cousin, give them to God. Don't be arrogant because he's been, he's been gracious to you. Pray for them, right? Love them. But for those that you're out there in social media land and you just have it in you to try to say God has left pathway and he's not at pathway or whatever else you want to say, do what you got to do quickly. Just get it done. Say what you're going to say. And that's not arrogance. I'm just saying you're going to say it anyways. Your heart's hardened anyways. May the Lord break it and may you become saved and may you join in with those that are saved. But let, let it all fall where it may, right? If your mama going to attack you, and, and it, it, you know she's attacking the Lord. She's not attacking you. If it's your, it's, your, it's your relative, God is just really having me say it again. If it's your relative, your friend, your coworker, it don't matter. If it's very, in your very home, you know Jesus promised that your enemies would be in your home. Glory to God. If it's for Christ, glory to God. The invitation's there, guys, constantly. Father, I thank you for your word. I can only pray, Lord, that you would help us with it because you're the one that watches over it. You're the one that watches over your word to perform it, Lord. And even for those of us who are leaders and teachers and pastors, would you help us to get out of the way? Would you, would you help us to plant without wanting to be seen, water without wanting to be seen, help us to get out of the way? We want you to be seen, Lord. I pray for the brothers and sisters who are just trying to get through the day. Would you comfort them? And I pray more than anything right now, in agreement with all of my brothers and sisters, with a full heart, God, that we would know you are drawing. That those that were hardened today, that just couldn't feel you, would you, would you cause them to feel you again? Would you break their hearts? Make them moldable, pliable? Would you heal them, Lord? Would you bring them home? We ask for your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Love each other and mean it. Hug each other and mean it. And there's a sign-up sheet in the back for the men that want to go to men's breakfast. You do want to do that today because it's next Saturday. I'll get you all the details. But sign up with your name and your number, and I'll, I'll touch base with you this week.